0: For Pacifica Radio, September the 4th, 2022, I'm Scott Horton. This is Anti-War Radio. Alright y'all, welcome to the show. It is Anti-War Radio. I'm your host, Scott Horton. I'm the editorial director of Antiwar.com and the editor of the new book, Hotter Than the Sun. Time to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. You can find my full interview archive, more than 5,700 of them now, going back to 2003, at scotthorton.org, at youtube.com slash scotthortonshow, and all your favorite podcasters and things. And you can follow me on Twitter, at scotthortonshow. Introducing our friend Hassan el Tayeb from the Friends Committee on National Legislation. That's, of course, the Quaker group, fcnl.org, the great peace activists in Washington, D.C. Welcome back, Hassan. How are you doing, my friend?
1: Thanks for having me, Scott. Really appreciate it.
0: Great. Happy to have you back on the show here, Hassan. And we have such important business to talk about here. This show's airing on September the 2nd, which means that uh, this coming week, the Senate comes back from their summer break, and next week the House comes back from theirs. And we have some extremely important business for this audience to help us to uh, participate in and to get down to once Congress gets back on the issue, the all-important issue of the war in Yemen. So look, of course, we always oppose the thing and cover the thing, but now we have a real advantage to press. So first of all, Hassan, can you please give us a very quick but deep background on the war in Yemen, and then we'll get to what we all are doing about it now.
1: Well, again, thank you so much for for having me on to chat about this. Uh, You know, quickly, Yemen's political instability began after the 2011 Arab Spring uprising that ousted President Ali Abdullah Saleh, who who had been in power uh, with U.S. backing and military support since 1990, uh, then uh, Vice President Hadi became Yemen's interim president w- for a temporary term, uh, and, and they were going to move to a more representative form of government with regular elections. Unfortunately, um, that date kept getting pushed back, and Yemeni frustration with you know corruption, unemployment, ri- rising fuel prices, and a whole bunch of other issues, uh, the Houthis uh, took over Sana and put Hadi under house arrest, and. With the goal of restoring Hadi the power, Saudi joined forces with the UAE, uh, and it was backed by the U.S., U.K., France, Canada, and, and started what we now refer to as the Yemen War. And unfortunately, uh, that this conflict has created the world's worst humanitarian crisis, uh, in, in large part, uh, fueled and funded by U.S. weaponry.
0: Right. Now, one thing we got to get out of the way here, it's so important. Well, two major things. First of all, so that everyone understands this is not the war against al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula that bombed the coal, that tried to blow up the plane over Detroit on Christmas Day 09 that helped coordinate the September 11th attack. This is a whole different war than that. Is that right, Hassan?
1: That's right. Yeah, this is a. Really, there are, you know, the Houthis uh, have been called by people like Chairman Adam Smith in Washington as a, an oppressed indigenous minority in Yemen. Uh, they were trying to get, you know, when they were doing this national dialogue, they were trying to get uh, some representation. Uh, their movement largely formed to oppose Wahhabism. That's this really intolerant ideology at the heart of, uh, you know, Al-Qaeda um, you know, and, and what they stand for, this really intolerant version of Sunni Islam, if you even want to call it Islam. Uh, I, many have called it just an ideology. And you know, so what one of their mandates was actually trying to oppose Saudi Arabia from setting up uh, madrasas and, and, you know, and spreading this really intolerant version uh, of Sunni Islam in Yemen. And it's really important too, and people can look this
0: up from the Wall Street Journal and from Al-Monitor. In January of 2015, that's your key words right there, Wall Street Journal, and I'll monitor January 2015, CENTCOM, our current Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, was then a four-star general, the head of Central Command, and he was passing the Houthis' intelligence to use against al-Qaeda. And it was just too, and I'm not saying that's great, but it is what it is. Two months later, Barack Obama and Lloyd Austin turned around, stabbed the Houthis in the back and took al-Qaeda's side against them. And America's been flying as the Yemen expert, no relation to me, but same name, Michael Horton from the Jamestown Foundation, said then in March of 2015, we are now flying as Al-Qaeda's Air Force in Yemen. And that's the same war we've been fighting for now seven and a half years.
1: Yeah, I mean, it is, you know, obviously tragic. Uh, FCNL, we're Quaker uh, lobby in the public interest. We, we also oppose the war on terror that's, a, you know, that we fear really exacerbates, uh, you know, recruitment of terrorism also creates, you know, a horrendous humanitarian situation. Uh, But for the purposes of the Yemen War Powers Resolution and this latest push in Congress, we're specifically trying to be narrow in our focus to do something like that we have a large consensus on already, Mm -hmm. is to end support for the Saudi-led coalition's operations, their airstrikes, uh, their blockade in Yemen, which is leading to a lot of humanitarian suffering, and also, you know, I, I should should add that it has not been authorized by Congress. And as Article One, Section Eight of the Constitution makes clear, the legislature holds the sole power to declare war. And unfortunately, this military aid that we've been giving to the Saudis uh, ignores that part of our Constitution. And not only risks, you know, innocent Yemeni lives, but also potentially could risk, uh, you know, uh, U.S. service members that could get dragged into an escalatory situation in Yemen. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And in fact, really, that's one way to put it would be that, you know, this is a moderate compromise position to end this war. If we can't end the war on terrorism, can we at least end the war for terrorism where we're fighting Directly or very closely, indirectly, but just one degree away from fighting on the side of bin Laden's men like it's been in Libya, Syria and Yemen for this past decade. Enough of this. And opposing the war against AQAP is also hugely important and will be our next mission after we switch sides in the war again. But this war and this is the real point. Never even mind the treason for Al Qaeda a.k.a. now the Giants Brigade, under the protection of our allies, the United Arab Emirates. But talk about that humanitarian situation that you mentioned there, because people just don't know this. New York Times showed some pictures one time in their Weekend magazine years ago. Uh, The major media will not cover the humanitarian consequences of this war, but they're as bad as anything that's happened in our era.
1: Yeah, I really... Glad you brought this up. Uh, the humanitarian crisis in Yemen has been bad, and unfortunately, uh, it, it's actually getting worse. The UN's projecting that you could see about 19 million people, uh, you know, that are food massively food insecure by the end of the year uh, in December. Right now, it's about 17 million plus. Uh, so they think those numbers are getting worse and a large part is because of the wheat shortage that's happening, with also you know being exacerbated by the ongoing uh, Saudi restrictions at the ports of entry. Uh, you've got millions of children suffering from acute malnutrition. Uh, you've got about half a million people or so that have died since the start of the war in 2015. Uh, and, and they've died, 60% of them have died from uh, preventable causes like hunger and, and, and disease, things that actually could have been treated if we had the right humanitarian aid and economic assistance, uh, you know. but it's just not getting through. So the airstrikes obviously are a huge issue, but really I want to just emphasize that there is a blockade in place that's restricting the free flow of these goods. Now, I, I think it's worth mentioning that there is a truce in place right now. Uh, the truce started April 2nd, Uh, Again, you know, I put truce in air quotes because there are still serious violations happening. But, uh, you know, there has been some progress, uh, but the deadline to extend the truce actually expires October 2nd. So that's fast approaching. And, you know, despite its flaws, this is the first nationwide ceasefire that's lasted any length of time that has brought any relative hope to the people of Yemen. Uh, You know, the basic terms of the agreement um, were that they would stop offensive military operations, they, meaning the Saudis, uh, and the Houthis. Uh, so the Saudis would stop their airstrikes. The Houthis would stop their cross-border attacks into the UAE and Saudi. That's actually happened. The, the Saudis have agreed to allow uh, fuel ships into the ports of Hedera. Um So that's been happening, although still woefully inadequate to meet the humanitarian needs. They agreed to, uh, you know, um, you know, a certain number of ships per week. A lot of those ships are getting held in the coalition holding area and delayed, so that's inflating prices. But really, the the you know Yemen needs about half a million metric tons of fuel just to meet basic needs through this Red Sea port to sustain you know seventy or eighty percent of the population under Houthi control right now in the north of the country. Only about forty percent of those needs are actually getting in. Granted, it's, it's more than before the truce, but that's why you still see these ballooning humanitarian figures where uh, you know people are still starving to death in Yemen because of the blockade. Last thing I'll mention on the, the uh, last two things I should say on the truce is that the uh, Saudis agreed to also open up uh, Sanaa airport for emergency a- and commercial traffic Uh, There had been no flights before that. They agreed to do two flights to Jordan and Cairo. The flights to Jordan are getting through. We've seen about 37 or so flights so far since April, but almost none to Cairo. So that's another major issue. Last thing I'll mention is that there's uh, real, um, you you know, uh, discord and and a lack of resolution of opening up certain roads in Taz in in this government in the southern part of the country. The Saudis want access to these roads. The Houthis say, well, get your militias out, and then we'll talk about opening up the roads. So that remains another point of contention that's worsening the humanitarian crisis.
0: All right, so it's Anti-War Radio. I'm talking with Hassan el Tayeb from the Friends Committee on National Legislation, FCNL and DC. And we're talking about the war in Yemen. And I think we've covered premise one, The war is really bad. It's treason and genocide, right? Step two, though, is we have this ceasefire and a real potential to end the war here. We're in month four of a two-month ceasefire, everybody. That's huge, right? As Hassan just described, it ain't perfect, but it is substantial, okay? And then, but here is the real thing, the most important point for everyone listening this morning, and that is that we have war powers resolutions, active ones. Yeah, the same one that they passed over Nixon's veto in 1973, the War Powers Act, which you've heard of your whole life, which Congress never used against anyone until 2018 against Trump on this issue. The House did. And in 19, the House and the Senate passed it. And Trump vetoed it at Raytheon's behest. That's according to the New York Times, but it was a credible article. Uh, And he vetoed it and the war continued. So And that was a world historical event. Well, that's happening again right now. And we have active war powers resolutions in the Congress uh, right at the time that we have this ceasefire in this horrible war. And Congress is on summer break now, but they're just coming back next week. It's um, the Senate gets back first on the 6th this coming week. And then the House gets back on the 11th the week after that. And then they have these resolutions. And so uh, now I turn the floor over to you to explain, Hassan, the multifaceted uh, activist campaign that is already being spooled up, that we need every single listener to KPFK, and for that matter, every single other host on KPFK to get on board for, and everybody else and every one of y'all's groups that y'all are a part of too, to get on board for this thing. Uh, to make an issue out of something that we don't have a single champion on TV, right? There's no cable TV news host that's made this their issue. Not one. There's no newspaper that highlights this constantly. This is all alternative media and alternative politics, but it's been so effective already in the past, and we can do it again. And so, Hassan, the floor is yours, sir, to tell people how they can get involved in this thing and really help make a difference on the war in Yemen.
1: Yeah, thank you again, Scott. Uh, You know, last year, the Biden administration announced that they were going to end U.S. participation in the Saudi coalition offensive operations in Yemen. But the U.S. is still complicit. We still provide spare parts, maintenance and logistical support to Saudi warplanes. And the administration, you know, they never said what offensive or defensive was and so that's what this resolution addresses. Granted, the Saudis aren't doing airstrikes right now, but they easily could. You know, these ceasefires have broken down in the past. Uh, they're also continuing to enforce a no-fly zone. Planes don't fly unless the Saudis basically say that that this flight can happen. So those are all really key parts of, of what's going on here. And so while we got this truce, Hanging, hanging in the balance, it's, it could expire you know, October 2nd or it could get extended for a lot longer. The U.S. now needs to use all existing leverage to help extend the truce and revive peace, peace talks. And you know, lawmakers need to support these resolutions that, that you just mentioned, Scott. Uh, we've got uh, Rep. Mace, Rep. Jayapal, Rep. Schiff. A lot of your folks listening might, might recognize him because he's their representative in L.A., uh, and, and Rep they have a House resolution, H.J. Res. 87. Senator Sanders, uh, you know, they've got a resolution over there co-sponsored by about eight people right now, including Warren, Leahy, Peters, Durbin, Wyden, and others. Um, and, and that's S.J. Res. 56. And by making clear that the U.S. won't resume military support to, to Riyadh or its partners in Yemen, Congress can actually keep pressure on these parties prevent the peace process from getting derailed and that's also gonna send a message to Biden that he's got to keep his promise to end blind support for a regime in Saudi uh, intent on cracking down on dissidents at home and destroying Yemen Um, in Biden's own words he said to end the sale of material to Saudis where they're going in and murdering children in Yemen so if folks do want to get active and get involved I would welcome that if you're in California uh, we need Senators Feinstein and Padilla to get on this resolution. We need all your House members on board. Uh, we set up a number 1833 Stop War where it connects you right to the Capitol switchboard and gives you a, a short prompt to say. So again, 1833 stop war. It's a great way to, uh, to let you know get your voice heard and, and help us uh, wind this conflict down.
0: Yeah. Hey y'all, Scott here. Let me tell you about Robertson Roberts Brokerage Inc. Who knew? Artificial bank credit expansion leads to price inflation and terribly distorted markets. If you've got any savings left at all, you need to protect them. You need to put some, at least, into precious metals. Well, Roberts and Roberts can set you up with the best deals on silver, gold, platinum, and palladium. And they've been doing this since 1977. Hey, if you just need some sound advice about sound money, they're there for you too. Call Tim Fry and the guys at 800-874-9760. That's 800-874-9760. Or check them out at rrbi.co. That's rrbi.co. You'll be glad you did. At the Libertarian Institute, we publish books, real good ones. So far, we've got Will Griggs, No Quarter, Sheldon Richman's Coming to Palestine, and What Social Animals Owe to Each Other, and four of mine, Fool's Aaron, Enough Already, The Great Ron Paul, and my brand new one, Hotter Than the Sun, Time to Abolish Nuclear Weapons. And I'm happy to announce that we've just published our managing editor Keith Knight's first one, The Voluntarist Handbook, an excellent collection of essays by the world's greatest libertarian thinkers and writers, including me. Check them all out at libertarianinstitute.org books. And for a limited time, signed copies of Enough Already and Hotter Than the Sun are available at scotthorton.org slash books. All right. So, uh, again, everybody, it's really easy, right? Just think it ain't 888 and it ain't 866. It's 833. 833. Stop war. And it's great. It's a nonpartisan progressive group called Demand Progress that hosts it. And it's just a robot. You put in your zip code, and it'll connect you directly to your representative's office. It's perfect. And as soon as you're done with Congress, it forwards you on. The next thing you do is you call and talk to your Senate staff. And so it's just, it's really fantastic. It's 833-STOP-WAR. And in fact, there's a website. I don't know why we all didn't think this our whole lives already. The website is 1-833-STOP-WAR.com. 1-833-STOPWAR.com, and they have a little script for you to read, and hopefully that's going to get updated here soon uh, with a little bit more information for people uh, to use. Again, the House comes uh, back—pardon me, the Senate comes back first on the 6th, and the uh, House on the 11th, so that's time for everybody to get ready, for everybody to talk with all the other groups that they're members of and their friend that they know who's a member of this other group that has some people in it and some things, and maybe especially with some influence— so yeah. we can all get ready. Let's, you know, all get loaded for bear so that when they come back, we really hit them hard with this massive phone call and email campaign that just sweeps them off their feet. Right. That blows them away where they just say, wow, we all the staffers have to say to their congressman and their senator. Boy, are we getting a lot of calls about this Yemen thing. We better get out ahead of the parade on this and just give them no choice. Now, let me ask you something here. What can people do if they live in L.A. and Congressman Schiff is already great on this? Then what's their job? Other than obviously they got to focus on California senators and obviously they can call Schiff's office and thank him for leading on this. That's one thing. But what else can they do?
1: Yeah, I mean, there are plenty of other members. One thing I wanted to say is we do have a lot of momentum here. We've got one hundred and fourteen representatives in the house right now that are on this bill that's we've in co-sponsors we already have over half of what we need to even pass this thing so so this is really great and that's it's amazing a testament, yeah so it's a testament to a lot of folks coming out of the woodwork here and letting their rep- representatives and senators know that this matters i would say california um you know if your rep is not on the bill uh please please get them on get your senators on board so if if schiff is already co-sponsored definitely send a a thank you note i think that's really helpful um you know that's knowing that you have his back is going to help him i think be better because you know there's a lot more that needs to happen here we need to you know get this on the floor in a in a good good period of time We also need to, you know, make sure that we're leveraging this support to get, you know, Padilla and Feinstein on board as well. Um, You know, so I would say thank you and then really focus on the Senate for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, and so talk about last time. I mean, I know you learned so much working with all these groups on pushing this thing through successfully in 2009. Unfortunately, against an absolutely obstinate president at that time. However you got the House and the Senate to pass this, and that took, everybody knows about all this controversy over the filibuster and everything. Got enough Republicans on the margin to support this thing in the Senate to actually pass it while a Republican was president. Yeah, Essentially overriding his foreign policy or attempting to. That's huge. So how did you do it? What did you learn that people need to understand about how successful activism really can be on stuff like
1: this? Yeah, Thank you for bringing that up. I, I did want to make sure we covered it. So in 2019, uh, Senators Sanders, Mike Lee, and Chris Murphy, you know, they led this effort, and, and they actually made history by passing S.J. Res. Seven, this War Powers Resolution to end all U.S. participation in the coalition's war in Yemen. That actually led to a, a, the Trump administration, even though he vetoed it, uh, he still terminated mid-air refueling to Saudi warplanes because right. of this congressional pressure. Uh, the advocacy effort, I mean, it mobilized hundreds of thousands of people all over the country. And UAE
0: uh, sent their ambassador straight to Tehran to start warming things up, too. because <laughs> I mean, And it, it wasn't because of the president, it was because of the Senate. And they were saying, hey, if we're losing the U.S. Senate, we better start
1: splitting our differences here. You, you know, that passage actually pushed the UAE to draw down its military in Yemen.
0: Oh, right, right. Uh-huh. Well, they still have their Al-Qaeda mercenary forces, but yeah, Yeah. they did pull out their regular troops. Yep.
1: That's why I didn't say completely end their (laughs) their participation, but they pulled out their troops. They're still working through proxies, but the UAE was, they were really on, you know, uh, they really kind of tried to publicly distance themselves from this conflict. It led to the Hodeidah ceasefire. It led to cross-border a reduction in cross-border attacks by Saudis and the Houthis. Uh, it's it, you know I, I think I think we're not where we are today because of the truce. I mean that was a huge piece of this. That all of this pressure that the bipartisan majorities in both chambers created uh, to basically create a situation where Biden could not run uh, without saying something about Yemen. Uh, You know, it's not where we need to be, uh, obviously, but this is unprecedented. No one thought this was even possible. And and we are at it again to try to finalize this, seal the deal, shut the door on military aid to the Saudi coalition's war in Yemen. And finally, you know, have one bright spot for peace and diplomacy on planet Earth right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, this could be a huge win for the uh, anti-war movement in America and just a huge win for the American people over our establishment at this point. And I guess the presumption is here, Hassan, is this right, that it would just be much harder for Biden to veto it than it was for Trump, that he would essentially have to go along?
1: Uh, You know, yeah, I think it would be much harder for the president to veto. But I'll just point to the fact that we, we didn't, you know, President Trump vetoed it, but still ended critical components of military aid to the Saudi war uh, in that, that mid-air, that mid-flight refueling. And so, so just by forcing the question, we're moving the, the ball in the right direction. So I, 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 you know, none of this is futile, even if you know, we don't like pass this thing tomorrow, uh, you know, just the buildup of pressure is really giving, I think, negotiators at at the U.N. more leverage that they need to actually start addressing some of these concerns like the blockade, which is, I think, a major obstruction to getting a longer term peace deal.
0: Right. And you know what? This is a point that I brought up in my rambling that is worth revisiting here. I think that we really don't have any major figures in America who are championing This Right. There's no billionaires. There's no major TV hosts. This is all alternative politics and alternative media that has already gotten this through both houses once. And really, it's a litmus test for an entire reordering and realignment of American politics in a lot of ways. Can we get the people who don't feel like they're in on power in D.C. to all work together on this thing to end this worst thing our government is doing right
1: now? Maybe we can. Uh, yeah, you know, I'm I'm hopeful that if we, you know, if more and more people just reach out, I mean, like, like you said, we did it before. That's the one one of those things. Uh, you don't have many issues on the peace movement where you're like, you've already passed the bill. Now all we got to do is get it over the finish line one more time and finally shut the door on, on U.S. aid uh, to this horrible conflict. And, and let's be real, I, I don't think that this is going to magically bring, you know, uh, you know, a utopia in in Yemen. Yemen's got a long road to peace and healing. But we have a ton of leverage to persuade Saudi and, and its proxies to extend this truce past this October deadline and hopefully get something, you know, six months to a year long where we can actually start to see the economy come back to life. Right now it's on life support. Um, and I really think it's time Congress and the administration use use all of its leverage to end this war.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. All right, you heard it, Los Angeles, and for everybody else listening to this in podcast form later, all around the country and everything else, where people are always asking, "Yeah, but what can we do?" I mean, obviously, we're going to cover the war in Yemen no matter what. But here's really a thing that we can do: the most horrible war. But we got a ceasefire and we have War Powers resolutions, an advantage to press. Now, all you got to do is get with all your friends and all your family members and all your coworkers, and all the groups that you're a part of and get everybody all doing this together at once. 833-STOP-WAR. And you can go to one 833 stop and they'll have some scripts for you there to read uh, or, you know, to get some Uh, talking points from to talk to your congresspeople and your senators about this. And, you know, the old adage about, oh, I'm going to call my congressman. It sounds foolish. What difference does it make if you call your congressman? But that's just completely wrong if we're all doing it together. If there's tens of thousands of people, maybe 100,000 people making phone calls, sending emails, being absolutely relentless on this issue we could end the worst thing our government is doing right now in this Yemen war so that's every single one of you listening and it actually is also a call out to the other hosts on KPFK as well i know that all of you are good on this and and have been doing great work on it anyway but this is what we're doing now FCNL and uh in fact this is a great place to end it can you a name for us some of the other groups that are involved, especially the leftist groups uh, that the KPFK audience might be interested in looking up uh, who are leading on this issue, Hassan.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much again for having me. Uh, you know, fcnl.org is a great place to start. There's also just foreign policy. Demand Progress is, is great. Uh, Quincy Institute for Responsible Statecraft. They're a transpartisan org uh, and think tank in D.C. They work with everybody. Uh, Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation, and, uh, you know, really a whole bunch of others, too. So uh, and really appreciate you always, uh, you know, shining a light on this issue, Scott.
0: Absolutely. Well, we got to end it. And we can. We actually have a chance to do something about something, everybody. So thank you, everyone out there for your support on this. Again, it's 833-STOP-WAR and one eight three three 833 dot com to read a little bit more about it. And again, that is the great Hassan el Tayeb from the Friends Committee on National Legislation. That's fcnl.org. Thank you again, Hassan. Thanks. All right, you guys, and that has been Anti-War Radio for this morning. I'm your host, Scott Horton. Full interview archive is at scotthorton.org and at youtube.com slash show. Sign up for the podcast on your favorite podcatcher there. And I'm here every Sunday morning from 9 to 9.30 on KPFK. FM
1: in LA. See you next week.